Good morning, good morning, Rabotai. Welcome to Breakfast in the Class. Breakfast in the Class today is sponsored by Mark Set, dedicated in memory of Lou Jerome, Alava Shalom Lilu Nishmat Eliyahu Ben Esther. Breakfast in the Class also is dedicated in loving memory of Lilu Nishmat David Ben Naima, Alava Shalom, sponsored by the Aharon family. And uh, the week of Kolbru is dedicated in loving memory of Lilu Nishmat Yikutiel Yehuda Ben Naftali Tzvi, Alava Shalom who's Askaraz this week, and in honor of a birthday for Gittel Bat Miriam, sponsored uh, anonymously. The Pasuk says, Vayikach Moshe et atzmot Yosef Immo. And Moshe took the bones of Yosef with him. And our rabbis say on this, uh, on this Pasuk, in the Midrash, Alav HaKatuv Omer, on this did the Pasuk speak when it said, Chacham Lev Yikach Mitzvot? A person who has a wise heart, Yikach Mitzvot, he takes Mitzvot. What does it mean? Shekol Yisrael Hayu Asukim Bechesef Izaav. All the Jewish people were busy taking gold and silver. Umoshe Haya Osek, and Moshe was busy with Atzmot Yosef. Why? Because Yosef had made the Jews swear. Hashem is going to uh, remember you and take you out of here. You should take my bones with you uh, from here. Now, it's a, I find this is a very interesting thing. Because it seems like the Jewish people were busy gathering all the gold and silver of the Egyptians. Right? They seem to be very petty, very, uh, you know, physical-oriented, uh, very uh, money-hungry. And that's how the pasuk makes it sound. And Moshe, on the other hand, Moshe was doing a mitzvah. What was Moshe's mitzvah? That he took the bones of Yosef with him out of Egypt to bring to Israel. My friends, <laughs> it was only a short while ago. Just hit rewind for one second to the end of last week's parasha. Why are the Jews collecting gold and silver? Who told the Jews to collect gold and silver? Moshe. On whose command? God's. So what is this? Oh, Moshe, the wise-hearted, Yichacham Lev Yikach Mitzvot, is going to take, is going to take the, the mitzvot, right? Whereas everybody else, what are they? Chop liver? They're also doing exactly what God said. In fact, we read about it last week that Moshe is asked by God. Moshe said, God says to Moshe, Daberna, speak please in the ears of the people. Why does he say, Daberna, please? He says that they should not say the 400 years of slavery that he promised Abraham, he kept. We went down to be slaves. The second part, which was the fortune that we were supposed to leave Egypt with, that he forgot about. So look, please go tell them that they should all borrow. And it becomes a central piece of the story. Both in terms of Avraham Avinu and as well in terms of Moshe Rabbeinu to ask the Jews to take this gold and silver. So everybody's doing a mitzvah. A mitzvah for you, a mitzvah for you, a mitzvah for you. What are we talking about? Why is, Yitz, why is Moshe being singled out here by the Midrash, 
Chacham Lev Yikach Mitzvot. A wise person takes a mitzvot. So I want to draw your attention to one thing which really caught my attention. And that is, what did Yosef ask the Jewish people to do? Ki that Yosef had made them swear. You know, I'll take you out of Egypt. What? What's the next word? With you. But what's fascinating is that there are two words that are used in the Torah to mean with. Ito, right? Itichem, or Aimo, or Aimechem. What's the difference between Ito and Aimo? The Sifarim tell us that the word Ito means that you took it with you. But Imo means that it was part of him. Imo means when you take something in a way where it becomes a part and parcel of the person themselves. It's a much stronger connection to the object you're referring to than the word it, et. Belonging. Belonging, association. There was something more about the way Moshe Rabbeinu took the bones of Yosef even more than what Yosef had asked him to do. Yosef said, take them with you. Moshe took them, so to speak, with him, not alongside. Now, I want to explain what this idea means, okay? Because I think that there's something here that really, that needs to be uh, fleshed out. And I haven't even thought it through yet fully, because I, 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 um, I feel that there's more that I haven't even got to yet in this idea. In, in truth, there were two things that were done here. One thing is with regards to the taking that the Jewish people had of the gold and the silver that they took out of Egypt. But that was money. It was something that had to be done, and even it was a mitzvah. But the taking of the money that they took, even if it was payment for all the years of slavery, there was no connection. There was no emotion, emotional uh, connection between them and this thing. Whereas with Moshe, the decision to do this was something that was driven by holiness. It wasn't a technicality. It wasn't the ticking of a box. It was something that was buried deep within Moshe Rabbeinu's understanding that this had to happen. And it's fascinating. Because when Moshe Rabbeinu comes to the uh, shores of the Yamsuf, the Midrash tells us something very interesting. What does it say? It tells us, Hayam What does it mean that the sea saw Vayanos and it ran? Says the Midrash, Nas bipnei Nas. The waters ran from in front of someone who ran. What does it say by Yosef with the wife of Potiphar? 
She tried to seduce him. She tried to convince him to be with her. And what does what happens? Where the pasuk says, "Vayanos hachutza," and he vayetze he left and he ran outside. He ran out of the building. This running of Yosef uh, is mimicked in the ocean itself, where the ocean runs away from in front of the Jews. Now it's scary to think. What would have happened had they not had the bones of Yosef with them? A key component to the escape from Egypt was the splitting of the sea. What would have happened if Moshe Rabbeinu had not taken the bones of Yosef with them and they found themselves at the sea with the Egyptians at their back without the Vayanos along with them, without the Hayam Ra'ah Vayanos? Chacham Lev says the Pasuk, Yikach mitzvot. And I want to draw your attention over here. It doesn't just say that a person uh, who has the correct emotions, a person who has, you know, a high moral standard, it doesn't say, Cham Lev Yikach Mitzvot, right? It doesn't say, Yosher Lev Yikach Mitzvot. It says, Chacham Lev. Chacham Lev. There was a chokhmah in Moshe's heart. There was a chokhmah in his emotion. And it's this really that I want to talk about. The idea that when a person understands the value of a mitzvah, they understand how important it is, they understand how crucial it is, not for the mitzvah to get done, but for them to be the one that does the mitzvah. When the, the lev is chacham, then what does it do? Yikach mitzvot, it takes a mitzvah. Now if we're referring to a person who, who has a wise heart, the words yikach mitzvot can be translated in two ways. A person with a wise heart takes mitzvot, or chacham lev, a person with a wise heart, yikach mitzvot, who's taking the mitzvot? Who's that going on, the yikach? On him or on his heart? Those are two separate things. If a person really wants to be a true servant of God, they have to figure out how to make their heart want the mitzvot. How their emotions, how their feelings, how their desires, how their goals, how their motivation should be I want to get this mitzvah done. And that's a completely different level than what the Jewish people had. Moshe took the bones of Yosef in more. He took them with him. He understood that part of his job as a redeemer was that. And I thought, it's so interesting. Because the beginning of the redemption, how does Moshe begin the redemption. He begins it with the beginning of the Pasuk of Yosef. He comes to the elders of the Jewish people. And how's he supposed to convince them, if you remember? They had a, a password that had been uh, leaving Egypt was password protected. <laughs> right? There was a password to leave Egypt. The sages knew that Yosef had told them that the true Redeemer will come and He will say, 
Hakod Yifkod. And they said, Father to son, Father to son from Yosef, Pakod Yifkod Hashem, God is going to save you from this. Swear to me, and you'll take my bones out with you. Moshe understood that if there was a password to leave Egypt, and that was the beginning of the Pasuk, then the end of the Pasuk was going to be the end of the leaving of Egypt. And indeed, the final step of the leaving of Egypt happens where? On the Yamsuf. So the beginning of that sentence starts the redemption from Egypt, and the end of that sentence ends. So it's Moshe Rabbeinu who does this, not because he's the biggest tzaddik. That's not why. That's not the pshat, why Moshe is the one that takes the bones out. Moshe takes the bones out imo, with him, with his essence. Why? Because Moshe is the redeemer. Not because he's the biggest tzaddik. There's other great tzaddikim. But the point is, specifically, Aharon at that stage, equal to Moshe Rabbeinu, correct? How come Aharon doesn't take out the bones? I know what you're all thinking. He can't because he's a... Not yet. He's not Kohen yet. The answer is, because Aharon was not the redeemer. And the same person who was going to say, Pakod Yifkod, he was going to be the one that was going to take it out. Now, the, it, the mitzvah belonged to everybody in the Jewish people. But it was the Redeemer that had to take it out in Mo with him. And when he got to the ocean, what happened? The sea splits. Nas mipnei nas. Every person in this world with their mission is exactly the same as Moshe. Moshe had a pakod v'yifkod and Moshe had a v'halitem atzmotai. Moshe in his mission had this and he had this. And he took it upon himself that his uh, obligations in life and the path that he was being taken on in his life that he saw those things as being central to what he needed to do and you know what when Moshe looked around Egypt they couldn't find the bones of Yosef correct why how come he couldn't find it because it wasn't in Keva Yosef in Shechem it wasn't in a tomb that said Joseph buried here where were the bones of Yosef they were buried in a lead casket at the bottom of the, of the river Nile. They wanted the, the Sadiq to be buried in the source of, their, of, the, of the irrigation systems for Egypt. That it should be a blessing. Moshe doesn't know how to get it out. Can I ask you a question? Let's say you made a shivua. Let's say I swore I'm going to do something. I swear I'm going to come to the shul. I come to the shul. The shul's locked. Do I have, what's my obligation now? Honest, like any other mitzvah in the Torah. Right? Eliezer swears to Abraham, I'm going to bring back a girl for Yitzchak. Eliezer says, what if she won't come? What does Abraham say? You tried to bring her, she wouldn't come. You're free from the shivua. The Jewish people swore. Moshe's looking around, can't find it. Patur! Finds out, where is it? Bottom of the Nile. Patur. Moshe doesn't give up. Because he understands that if this is my job, 
Then like the Pasuk says, V'yikach Moshe et atzmot Yosef imo, with him. And that's a, that's a wise heart. Yikach mitzvot, that it takes the mitzvah into itself, into the heart. My friends, when you experience the mitzvot in your life, on your path, they are no different. And you have to figure out not how to do mitzvot, but how to love them to the point that you take them on board. They don't, they don't go with you, but they're in you. I read something remarkable. You know, yesterday we talked about this, Vayihi b'shalach paro. Vayihi means a lashon of en vayihi. You don't only have lashon. is only if it's a lashon of tsar, of pain. Everybody asks, why is lashon of pain? We're leaving Egypt. Different answers. We spoke yesterday about a couple of them. But one of the answers that's brought is that Paro himself was in pain. Paro himself was in pain that he had to send the Jews out. He had all these people working for him for so many years. You know, he heard about this, you know, this idea that the Jews were going to be his servants for 400 years. He's looking at the calendar. He's got some time. It pains him that they're leaving, that he's got to send them out. I ask you again this question. Keeping the Jews there was the single most destructive thing in Paro's world. It ruined his economy. It ruined, eroded the people's trust in him. It ruined the, the agriculture. It ruined the health of the people. It killed all the firstborn. You're upset that you're letting them go? Not only that, by the way, if you look in the Torah, the word tse, when, Moshe, when Paro comes to Moshe by Makat Bechorot, he says, tse, leave the country, you and all the people. The Sadi is big in the Torah. Now rabbis tell us, because Paro was screaming on the top of his lungs, leave, leave. How could the guy who's screaming on the top of his lungs leave? How could he be pained as he's sending them away? How could that be? And the answer is, we can be oblivious to our own pain. We can be oblivious to all the signs that our life and Hashem are showing us. We could be oblivious to the fact that there's no longer any reason for us to stay in this job, to stay in this relationship. We can be oblivious to it. We can choose to ignore things that are tearing us apart and tearing us down. We can choose to remain sad about letting things go that are the very best, that letting them go was the very best thing that we've done in a very long time. And we can be very sad and devastated about it. Because we're not, we're not focusing on where we need to get to. Part of the job of a Jew is figuring out where's Hashem taking me to? 
And which challenges is he putting in my path that are going to help me get there or going to challenge me on the way? When you can see, when you start to use the wisdom of your heart to understand the path that Hashem is taking you on, then the mitzvot and the moral challenges and the ethical dilemmas that face you on the path to becoming that kind of a father, a leader, uh, a business owner, a person who's driving a mission, they become something, they become something that a person takes more with him. And they don't, not only do they not resent those challenges or those mitzvot, but they welcome them. On the one end we have Paro screaming in pain about the fact that there's something great coming his way. On the other hand, we have us screaming in pain when Hashem takes something away from us where if we could only see, we'd realize that that thing was destroying us and that God was taking it away from us for our benefit. Chacham lev yikach mitzvot. If you're wise enough to understand what you're doing here, then the heart takes on these mitzvot of its own accord. And it doesn't take mitzvot alongside in its hand luggage. It takes it into your very heart and soul. You cannot compare the tefillah of a person that prays that way. You cannot compare the Tamud Torah of a person who studies that way. The chesed of a person who lives that way. The forgiveness, the compassion, the uh, resilience, the uh, intensity, the kavanah of a person who's on that path. It just takes a little bit of time to work it out. Hashem should bless us with the wisdom to do so. And through that, to the ability to take mitzvot, not along with us, but in our very essence, and to do the mitzvot to the very best of our ability. Baruch Adonai Le'olam.